Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brennan Escott with you in Oilers Now. It is currently 12.35 in Edmonton. We'll tell you guests on the show receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, which reopens for in-person dining on Friday, June 11th. Tell Maggie, Taylor, Brendan, and Chef Eltoff that Oilers now sent you to Roos Chris. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Just before we go to Sportsnet Spec, Mark Spector for the horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Again, they've got live racing back at Century Mile Friday nights and Sunday evenings. No fan access, but you can watch and wager online at hbibet.com post time at 6.15. I want to go into the Ashley Fine Floors text line. And I didn't originally think we were going to talk about this, but then the fine came down, 25 k for Bruce Cassidy. Chris says... Out of uh, a 403 exchange, props to Cassidy. The officiating is a disaster. Did you see the Ehlers cross-check last night? That gets called, but McDavid gets mauled. More pressure from the media on the NHL is the only way to change this. I thought it was just me whining, said Chris. But then Friedman, Shannon, and others came on your show and all said what a bad look it was for the NHL that McDavid has had zero calls against them in the last eight playoff games. It's time somebody told the refs. By not calling penalties, you are, in fact, influencing the result of games as much, if not more, than when you call the penalties. How many times in the jets Oilers series did you see a non-call at one end result in a critical goal at the other end a short time later from Chris? Well, the reality of the situation is the Oilers did not start game one the way they needed to, but a extra call in game one or game two changes the outcome of the series. It does. It, it at least might have changed the trajectory of the series. Last night, I, I had empathy for Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, he's engaged with Brendan Gallagher, and to me, that's a 50-50 play. I was stunned there was a call on that, and it was interesting that Kevin Bieksa made a comment about it being the skill guys getting some calls here against them. Maybe because they're not as often in the regular season put in a place where they have to sort of give shots back. Mark Spector and me have had some animated conversations on this, but I think Speck is coming around a bit 
you know, and, and and when you're Edmonton and you have the McDavid's and the dry settles of the world, you want calls being made. When you're Edmonton in 06 and you're playing Detroit, who've got more skill, you want there to be some latitude for the likes of Chris Pronger. Often it depends on the situation. I would say that as a rule of thumb, experienced teams get experienced calls, which is kind of what Bruce Cassidy's saying. Mark Spector's had a long at times cozy relationship with the officials he respects them i do too it's not an easy job but mark welcome to the show are we at the stage now because we can look at this maybe more objectively because it's boston and the islanders or montreal and winnipeg and not the oilers are we at the stage now where maybe there does need to be a bit of a reevaluation done in terms of game management come playoff times and the inconsistency of what is and is not a penalty well, I think what we have to probably decide, Bob, and, and I think, yeah, I think that, you know, that there's some critical mass here, right? You know, there's there's the micro stats like McDavid going eight games without drawing a call, which is a, a really damning stat for the National Hockey League, frankly. And, you know, then there's the macro look of there's so many infractions in a game. If I called Shea Weber for cross-checking every time he cross-checks somebody, he'd, be, he'd have four, five, six minors a game. So, you know, what has to happen here is we do need to take – we're all afraid of a hockey game with 15 power plays in it. But until you call one of those power types of hockey games, Bob, the players are never going to learn and they're never going to stop. Right. So you remember when we got back from the lockout, all the power plays, everybody hated it. Right. Every one of these people, our listeners and us who said who say we need more penalties. We hated that hockey where there was 10 or 12 a night. But I think we need to brace for some of that at some point here, because that will be the result of a crackdown. We're going to have to stomach some 12 and 14 power play nights until the players figure it out. Yeah, I got to tell you, I don't think I hated it quite as much as you do. I think I hated seeing Minnesota play back-to-back games in Edmonton on back-to-back nights more. But that's another conversation. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest with you, Mark, um, you know, on the power, that's that's why I always find the comparable between as great of a player as Sidney Crosby is. He's an awesome player. But the reality is Crosby and Ovechkin's first two years in the NHL they're playing in 0506 and 0607, and that 0506 is, I mean, Crosby had, at the same point where they're roughly playing at the 400 game mark, they, they both had around 560 or 540 points or something like that. And Crosby had like 40 more power play points, and they were all from those first two years because there were way more power plays called back. Like McDavid was destroyed them and even strength scoring. And I'm like, you know what? There, there needs maybe there needs to be a. How about this, Mark? How about there needs to be a balance of where we're at right now? Maybe we don't need to go back to 0506 levels, but what's happening right now isn't acceptable either. We got to find a, a, a sort of a middle ground. Or is that? Is, you, know, you know, I agree. You're right. I, I, I do see a game where, you know, we've we've watched hockey become this sport where it's it's surely the toughest road to travel physically between the opening of the playoffs and the hoisting of the championship trophy, right? I mean, football, what do they play? Four games. I know football's tough, but they play once a week. Um, you know, basketball plays a lot of games, but it's not as physical as hockey. You're not getting hit by pucks in basketball, right? Baseball's baseball. They play their games, but it's nowhere near the physical toll. So hockey's taken pride on 
guys fighting through and teams, you know, blocking a shot and not missing a shift. And that's kind of become hockey's identity. And, and wrapped inside of that identity has been the fight through the checking and don't whine about it. You know, mystique. The, you know, Sidney Crosby went from a, a superstar who dangled all the time to a guy who's become the best, the grittiest superstar, the guy that can fight through everything and still produce come playoff time. Like, you know, he's 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 skates through the mud better than any superstar in the history of the game. And you know, we've become that sport, Bob. I'm not sure why. Like, I'm not sure why we've prided ourselves on everyone's ability to to hook and hold and stop and check. And why do we pride ourselves on dangling through center ice and scoring beautiful goals? Why do we go that direction in the first place? Well, uh, and I wonder how much of it's going to change because you're going to have two national networks in the States next year, adding to the almighty dollar as we try yep. to get – the, the whole industry back up and running. It's going to help out Gary's, you know, by the way, even with those two deals and the, the Rogers deal, which is massive in Canada, they're still at about a tenth of the money that NBA basketball brings in. And that wasn't the case back in the 1980 at that time. Right. Show, right? And and so it's, it, it is interesting to me. And I would say to you, Mark, that the people that influence, like, do the GMs influence how games are managed, officiated? How much does guys like uh, Colin Campbell uh, have, you know, influence on this? I mean, we have we have listeners to the show, guys at Tech, guys that have been guests on the show that have taken Colin Campbell to task for sending out emails complaining about the treatment of his son when his son was an NHL player. And and I, and I can tell you, what's that got to do with anything? Well, if if you're in a league role and you're in a position of authority and power, maybe you have to recuse yourself from anything that involves your son. Sure, but that's got nothing to do with what we're talking about. Does Colin? Right? Can, do, do you think? Do you think the the, the so-called Peterborough Mafia? The Colin, do you think there's? Does he have any influence? You tell me. You know this better than me. Does Colin Campbell have influence in the league today? For sure. And and to be frank, too much influence. You know, too much influence. Colin Campbell, who I've known very well and is a really nice guy, and none of that matters. Uh, Colin Campbell comes at you from his playing days back in the early seventies. You know, the game's not the same. And and there is some stewards of the game, Bob. They're generally older guys who who try to make sure hockey doesn't become soccer, where guys are rolling around. They want to make sure that that five on five play sort of rules the day whenever possible. And you know what? It is time for some change. It's time for for some influence. You know, just as we're looking at young GMs like John Chaka and. Kyle Dubas and guys like that, there's probably some some of the guys shaping the game at the league level should be younger and hipper too. You know, I'm absolutely for that, Bob. This this sameness in the NHL head office. Gary Ed Bettman's been the how long has he been the commissioner for, Bob? Twenty eight years or something? Yeah, twenty I think twenty six or twenty seven years. Since something 94. like that. Yeah, yeah. Coley yeah. Campbell's had a position of influence in there for every bit as long. You know, let's shake it up, man. Let's get some some younger people with new views in there because the trend is poor. I don't like the trend, Bob. I mean, put it this way: if if I was if my son had somehow overcome my genetics and I was a general manager for an NHL team, 
and my son was up for the draft, I think I'd recuse myself from that conversation for the organization I'm working for. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's why I brought up the... That's why I'm, I'm sure. saying the look on, uh, and that's that rankled a lot of people. I've ne- I, all the guys that seem to know Colin pretty well. I don't. All the guys that seem to know Colin pretty well think he's a good guy. So, and oh, he's yeah. cert- right. But the fact of the matter remains, um, we are at the end of the day when they're sitting there spec putting the graphic up for the Edmonton Toronto game on a Saturday night when we're playing next season. They're not putting up Jujar Kara head to head against uh, Alex Kerfoot. They're putting Connor McDavid up head to head against Austin Matthews. They're selling the stars. So, so it's interesting what Bieksa said last night because it's like, well, look, the, like the stars are getting called. A, it's almost like the stars in the case of hockey. Not only do they have to fight through more. They're almost judged more harshly when they do it. Maybe they just don't know how to retaliate as cheaply and as well as the everyday player does because they don't do it. There, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the possible. No, that's except- fair. They're not as experienced in that art of the game. That there's no doubt about that. But you know, I think where we where we run into trouble, Bob, because all of these things, you know, the GMs are really the caretakers of the game when it comes to new refing, new policies, new places they want to crack down. Yeah. The GMs are the ones. And where we run into trouble is if we start to, to focus on we want, you know, the superstars to have more free reign, the problem is only six of those guys have a superstar Bingo. or only ten Bingo. of them or whatever. So that's a problem. The guy at Tree Living doesn't want – if Tree Living wants to keep his job in Calgary, it's probably not great if they start calling extra penalties for Connor McDavid, you know? So the, the approach, that approach doesn't work for me where we're going to let a small group of players fly above the radar compared to everyone else. It's got to be a more systematic change, Bob, in my opinion. It can't just be we're going to lo- watch our great players go. Not every GM has a great player, <laughs> you know. So I think there's a way to do this, but I don't think focusing on McDavid and Pedersen and Mc- McKinnon and and you know the the guys that are, you know all 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 stars. I don't think that's the way, Bob. I don't think that's the way. Though they do put bums in the seat at the end of the day. Mitch in the greater text to say what is happening. I agree with Spectre. Great take on Colin Campbell and the power within the league. You can text us at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, Okay, well, I'm not going to read that one. Uh, Here we go. Spec, the easiest way not to have it become soccer is if somebody flops, dives, embellishes during a game and the ref doesn't catch it, then it should be a one-game suspension upon video review. Well, maybe they need to review those as well on a flop. Like maybe that's you know, do, 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 now you're now you're in a situation where you're reviewing a lot of calls. You already you found a way to get the games way down, Mark, in length. I don't know if that's going to work either. But let's keep the text coming on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. I mean, stern measures, right? Like if we were, this has been a long time building the game we have today, Bob. It's you know it's come for years and years and years to get to where we're at they've reshaped the game after the lockout they they've they've got rid of you know trying to get rid of head hits they've really tried to get rid of obstruction all those things it's been a long time to get to where we sit today you're not going to fix it by a little tiny tweak here and a little tiny tweak there the caller's right 
the minute we start to crack down, you're going to see some of these superstar guys start to dive to get even more penalties. That's how it always goes. So I'm all for it. I think that's an excellent text. You know, if, if, if we see Connor McDavid flopping all over the ice, I don't want to see. I don't care what uniform the guys wear. Hockey people don't want to see guys rolling around like soccer players. So, hey, yeah. Hey, 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 Guys from Iceland don't don't flop around. Just Yeah, okay. That's about 0.7% of them, but keep going, you know. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, texter, this email comes to us from Val from the high desert of northeast Colorado. Uh, texter, Chris, welcome to the club known as the Voices of Reason. Just officiate the game in front of you. By the way, Bob, this actually doesn't qualify as a loser's lament. It constitutes a call for officiating reform. All right, we'll get off the refs. We'll get on to Montreal, Winnipeg, and maybe what that series end result says about the Oilers, if anything, when we return on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.53 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. It's a Tuesday. That means Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta. All right, Spec, last night, GWG in OT for Tyler Toffoli. What a signing. More on that in a second. But the Canadians sweep the Winnipeg Jets in four straight after Winnipeg vanquished Edmonton in four straight. Does that say anything at all about Edmonton? Does it say more about what Winnipeg endured early in the series in game one where they lost two pretty significant players? Does it say something about the Canadians? You tell me. Well, that's a lot of questions, and I don't have too many answers, Bob. I, I'll tell you what, from a you know from 40,000 feet, when the team that sweeps you gets swept, I think you know you got a long ways to go. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty obvious statement. Uh, it wasn't the same Winnipeg team. They lost Shifley in the first game. Uh, you know, he's their best player. Uh, but I'll say this: you know, um, the goalie that had the 950 save percentage against Edmonton uh, was—I believe he was below nine. Was he below nine against go, Montreal? Ball go, going into last night's game, he was eight ninety-seven. So yeah, he, had a good, so. he had a good start last night. He made a lot of stops okay, last so night. So he's kicking around 900. The point is, uh, to me, that's I, I'm starting to focus down now on why is it, right? Why is it that the Montreal Canadiens could get a puck past him in one out of every 10 shots and the Edmonton Oilers could only get a half a puck past him in one out of every 10 shots? There's something there. I'd like to know what it is, right? Uh, you know, after that, I, I mean, I guess I'll... I'll, I'll I'll end on, on you know what, Winnipeg Winnipeg beat Edmonton in four. It's the closest four-game series anyone's ever covered or seen or watched. No doubt about that. But they beat him in four. And uh, Edmonton's got a long ways to go. They think they're going to get out of the West next or out of the whatever we're going to call it, I guess the Pacific next year, because yeah. uh, Vegas is probably a better team than both of those. So, uh, Mark, uh, if the Oilers had played the, the, just, just for – uh, you know, full perspective here. If DeMello gets hurt in the first shift against Edmonton and Shifley takes himself out of the series in game one. It's a big difference. I mean, that, that I guess that's that's a bit of it for me. For me, the Canadians never saw the same Winnipeg team Edmonton saw. 
Uh, even the last two games between Edmonton and Winnipeg, the Jets did not have the same discipline that they exhibited in terms of, and when I mean discipline, the tactical discipline that they had in the first two games, Edmonton had lots of chances. Edmonton squandered leads in game three and game four against uh, Winnipeg. And maybe, you know what, you know what, Mark, when we talked at the start of the season, we both thought Montreal was going to be a good playoff team. And guess what? They're a good playoff team. Yeah. You know, I thought Montreal would be a better regular season team, frankly, than they were. But, uh, you know, we got a glimpse of, of Montreal in the two games in here, uh, Bobby. They, remember, uh, I mean, Montreal was leading one nothing, I think, with about nine minutes to play, and the Oilers squeaked that game out maybe three or four to one with a couple empty netters. Yeah, yeah. Connor McDavid went went through uh, Weber and uh, somebody else, and it was a, a very memorable goal. And then the next night, Montreal squeezed the life out of Edmonton and won that game fair and square. And I honestly thought that in six periods of hockey, the Habs won five of them in and that Shea two-game Weber, series. That second game, Shea Weber cross-checked and one sequence, Leon Dreisaitl, four times. He in did. The, in the spine, four times on one shift. He and, did. He did. And, he was wielding that thing like Ryan gets left. So, yeah. so, I mean, now we go back to a former topic. But the point I had was this They're looked built. like a team that could play playoff hockey. Well, and we'll see. I mean, I, I got to be honest, Mark. I'm a little surprised. Uh, Vegas has been better than Colorado the last nine periods of that series. I'd say Colorado's lucky it's tied 2-2. We're going to hit on that. Uh, we're also, but not before we, we sort of relate something to Tyler Toffoli and maybe Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Is there a comparable mm-hmm. that? That's where we're going to go after 1 o'clock Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.